called Summit Life. We're walking through what it looks like to belong, pursue, and experience our living God. What does it mean to literally taste of him each day in different ways and be absolutely rocked by him? What does it mean to be setting down more of self each day and picking up more of him? Lord, I'm ready to be rocked by you. You know, each week of this series, we've been looking at a different experience moment where God has been meeting someone, a mountaintop experience, a summit experience, if you will, this top experience that takes your breath away, blows you away with who God is and all the different facets of what we can have in him. And uh, may we literally learn to experience God in all of his greatness. Today we're looking at experiencing his blessing, experiencing his blessing, God pouring out favor onto us. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Matthew 5, starting in verse 1, as we look at what it is to experience his blessing. Point number one here, if we're going to experience it, we can taste of his blessing as we follow his personal guidance. As we follow his personal guidance, that's how we taste of his blessing. As we walk where he walks, as we take advantage of him guiding us along the way, Lord, how can I follow you? So we're going to pick it up here in Matthew chapter 5. I just want to make sure we get a little context based on where we've come from, right? If you look at the whole of this series, we started with Abraham. That's like about 2000 BC-ish, 1900 to 2000 BC, right? Before Christ, 2000 years. And then we moved to Moses. That was like a 500-year time frame that went on in there. It was about 1450 BC when Moses was part of having Israel released out of Egypt. Now Israel is a nation. Back with Abraham, they were a promise that was to come. But by the time of Moses, it's a reality. And Israel is now a nation. Moses is leading them out. They come out into the wilderness. There's a wandering for some 40 years because of the disobedience and lack of trust of God. And then they're able to go across into the promised land. And Israel now a nation with their own land as they're beginning to conquer and move along. They ended up having kings take over. Everybody just say that's a terrible plan. They didn't want to trust in their spiritual king, and so they longed for a physical king, and it really unwound things pretty fast. And so over the last couple of weeks, we looked at a prophet, Elijah, and then another prophet, Elisha, and how those two prophets, back to back, they addressed different kings and their sin, and they were able to bring miracle work because of it, and God working through them. Now hundreds and hundreds of years pass, and it's the time of Christ. So as you're standing at the time of Christ, you have to remember this, and it's going to be a big deal as we look back at the passage today. As you look back at the Old Testament now, all of it at the time of Christ, now written, recorded, and captured, and it's looking forward to the hope of the Messiah, the hope of the one who would come that can heal, the hope of the one who would come to bring eternity, the hope of the one who would rule and reign forever. They're looking for that Messiah. In fact, all of the Old Testament attached to the Messiah. And it starts really from Genesis 3 when it talks about the offspring that would crush the head of Satan. Jesus being that Messiah. That's where we're picking it up now. Looking back at all of that recorded, the hope of the Messiah in it. And now we're picking up Christ. And so as we come to Matthew 5 verse 
1, I just want to jump back into chapter 4, verse 23 real quickly. And look what it says. It says, And he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He's like, this is how the kingdom's going to go. This is what's coming down. Get ready. He's beginning to talk about that Old Testament promise of a coming permanent kingdom. And he's, he said, here's what the kingdom's like. And then it says, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Uh, how many diseases? How many afflictions? Don't miss it. Can you imagine those moments? As he's standing up and he's beginning to speak with high authority. And all you do is get near to him. And whatever was wrong is gone. You have somebody sick and they come up and they're talking to him or they touch him or he touches them. Gone. And every single person that was hurting healed. Imagine the stir that would bring. Just so you know, Old Testament talks about the Messiah coming and it says that he would heal the blind and the lame would walk and that wherever he would go, there would be this massive miracle healing. The stir about the Messiah is on. That's where we pick up Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Like he could see the people were beginning to gather in throngs. They were like, the word was out. Hey man, he's over here. Let's go see him. And they came by the hundreds, maybe even the thousands, tons of people coming in. In fact, it says here, disciples, and that doesn't mean the 12. This is the many. All those who were healed, all those who had hope, all those who were wanting to hear of this coming kingdom and his messiahship, and they're rallying together. And Jesus says this, it says, he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, now just imagine, he's healing everybody. You're seeing the miracle work. This is the Messiah, it's got to be. And this is the kingdom coming and here we go. And these are his words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm not kidding. There had to be a number of people there who went, what? What are you talking about? No, man, you're supposed to be the Messiah. You're stepping in to say, this is it. Here we go. Get ready. We're taking over. And I'm going to be king, and it's going to be rule forever. Get ready. Blessed be the poor in spirit. What is he saying? And on the one hand, it's a bit shocking because the Messiah is supposed to be this stunning king who takes over. But on the other hand, well, thank God for that because I feel more like I'm poor in spirit right now than I feel strong in spirit. And all of God's people said, man, I'm with you on that. And please hear me. We are weak in where we stand. And we have a God who has hope for us. And he says, blessed Favor from God is on you. Why? Because you're poor in spirit. Literally in dire need. I don't stand on my own and I don't have my act together and I need a king who does. I'm humbled and I'm willing to admit it. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You want to know who comes forward into the kingdom of heaven? Jesus saying to them, you want to know this kingdom you're saying I'm going to run? It's going to come from a lot of people who grasp it's not about them. They grasp it's all about their God. And they're willing to set themselves down, poor in spirit, super humble, and willing to come on their knees. Everything else flows from that position. Next. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Notice, not blessed are those who have it all together. That's what the Old Testament teaching was. Blessed are those who literally have it all together. No, blessed are those who are mourning and weeping and hurting. Why? For they shall be comforted as God wraps his arms around and comforts the soul. As God literally brings hope. The Holy Spirit praying on your behalf in the midst of pain, being comforted, brings a strong sense of the favor of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. And what they wanted to hear was, blessed are the strong. That's what they were used to hearing anyway. Blessed are those who bring it. And he's like, no, blessed are those who are strong enough to bring it but gentle enough to hold back. That's what meek is, by the way. Meek is not weak. Meek is strong enough to bring it, but holding back in gentleness. And I'm just telling you, this is a huge moment where Christ is saying, blessed are those who grasp, ready, who I am. This is who I am. This is what it's all about. Come with me. Walk with me and follow my footsteps. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, those who are strong enough, but they're willing to step back and hold on, for they shall inherit the earth. He's like, just so you know, when the kingdom comes, God is going to do some miracle work. You know you're feeling the same way, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Days can be hard sometimes, right? And... Uh, May God truly be the blessing in the midst of our hard days. And that's exactly what he's talking about. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The kingdom that's coming will come with inheritance. And praise God for those who get on their knees before him, and he is their hope. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, those last two words are really important. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Well, that's humanity. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, like longing for it to be right in your soul and longing for it to be right between you and others and longing for God to get the glory, making sure that you are truly setting down where you're wrong and being willing to see God transform you one degree of glory at a time. To be able to say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready for you to take over what needs to go. To long for it to be different in your broken life. Are you ready to see change? May God get the glory. And he's like, just know this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who long to see God do a transforming work. For they shall be satisfied. Beautiful moment. He says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, know this. I am going to feed that hunger. I am going to bring righteousness like you would not believe. I am going to be changing things inside of you that you didn't even know were broken. 
and I'm going to be giving you a taste of reality. Please hear me. None of this is saying, blessed are those who get their act together. It doesn't say that. It's saying, blessed are those where God is pouring on in the humility in the midst, admits that they do not have their act together and they need a God who does. And all of God's people said, and don't miss it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Merciful. This is when you've been wronged and you could bring it and you choose to hold back instead. This is where you had the right, but instead you said, I'm bringing forgiveness. I'm releasing. I'm not giving you what you deserve. I'm holding back. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Please know this. Everything he's saying is blessed is the very thing that God already is. He's calling us to just walk in his footsteps. And he's like, hear me. The mercy that I love to pour out, just start experiencing and expressing it and I'm going to be pouring into your barrel and it's going to fill to the top and spill over with mercy. My mercy on your soul. Begin to express mercy to those around you. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, literally saying, Lord, take my heart and change me. Here's what it does not say. Blessed are those who did get it all perfect. Everybody say, not that. Blessed are those who are coming to the Lord in their imperfection and longing for God to change it one degree at a time. The pureness of heart coming along as God does a work. There is a favor from the Lord as we long for that. And notice what it says, the, the reveal is, for they shall see God. And remember Old Testament, when God's talking to Moses, he said, man cannot see me and live. You cannot see my face and live. Doesn't happen. Fast forward to the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, and it says, in the midst of all the glory and all the perfection and all the sin removed, get this, we will see his face. Man, hear me on this. Absolute perfection coming as we stand with him in the millennial kingdom and beyond. All things finally perfect. Not on a journey of pure in heart, but absolutely restored, now pure in heart. Eternal perfection. And because of it now, we have the privilege of being able to see our God. Everybody say that's awesome. Don't miss it, man. That is a huge privilege. And it's a journey that we go on. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Those who actually are the sons of God are known for wanting to get things right. Working with those who are hurt by him. Working with those who are wronged and longing to see things fixed. Blessed are the peacemakers. Please hear me, not peace fakers. Right? Not what? There's no big deal here, but inside, dying, it hurts so bad. Not peace faker, but peacemaker. Working on those things that need to be worked on, may God get all the glory. They are called the sons of God, adopted into the very family of the king. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Notice it does not say, blessed are those who are persecuted because they were jerks. Everybody get that, right? 
It doesn't say, go be a jerk to people, and then when they're mean back to you, you're like, see, I'm persecuted. Everybody say, not that. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. And all of God's people said, and sometimes we feel like we are right and we're wrong. And we're bringing it and we're causing it. And sometimes that happened last night as you're talking with your spouse. (laughs) And you find out this morning you were really wrong. And you try to get it as right as you can. And all of God's people said, please hear me, man. May we work with people to get it clean. Peacemakers. Peacemakers. May our relationships look like we know the God who loves peace. And all of God's people said, all right. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And uh, persecuted and peacemaking, it's amazing how much those go together. And how often our job is to try to bring peace where people are attacking. May God get all the glory. Are you ready to take a stand for Jesus and when people are coming at you to not attack back but to try to bring peace? Put those two together, man. It's a huge journey. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice here it says kingdom of heaven and before it was kingdom of God and this kingdom coming, this hope of the Messiah doing a work and know this. For those who are rallying alongside of Jesus, we will take a hint with him. May God get all the glory. And we're going to stand with him peacefully, mercifully, hope-filled. We are called his children and we have massive favor with him. And our job is not to get even. And all of God's people said, set down the getting even plan. And pick up the Lord, may I follow in your footsteps. May I know you for all that you are. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And if you ever had ridiculous attacks that are completely false just because you're following Christ. And be careful of that. And make sure you're not saying it like, It's a ridiculous attack. I mean, all right, it was sinful on my part, but I still think it was a little too harsh. And be careful, that's not what he's talking about here. This is you are following Christ, you have your act together, and yet someone's making something up about you that never, ever has any truth at all. Didn't happen. And and he's like, be careful. No, it's going to come. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is a great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Know this, as we follow our God and persecution may rise, there is reward in eternity. May God get all the glory. It may not be resolved here on earth, but it will be resolved in eternity. And all of God's people said, Here's the deal, man. A lot of people will talk about this passage and the reality of it. This is Christ talking about the millennial kingdom and even eternity beyond. This is future as he's talking about the kingdom of God and all of its perfection. But the reality is this is the character of our king. Every piece of this is our king. May we take a step in learning more about him. Romans 8 says that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. 
May we literally walk with him, step by step, learning what it is to be like him. God transformed me one degree at a time. And praise God for this in eternity, in the millennial kingdom and beyond, we will be tasting of this in 100% perfection for the rest of our existence. And all of God's people said, that's the favor of the Lord. Blessed as God pours it on. Huge deal. May we truly take a stand with our King. You know, this last week was awesome as we uh, walked through a sermon last week and talked about what our God is like as he heals and we longed for him to do a work in this room and we cried out in prayer and so many of us raising up issue in our lives as we talked about what needed to be covered and then we had people stand who were really wrestling with something and people standing all over the place, all three services, hundreds and hundreds of people standing up and saying, God, I'm giving this to you now. And some for the first time as they came down after or let me know through somebody else, that is the first time I've stood or let anyone know I'm struggling in this. But God, I'm giving this to you. And the tears that were coming down as people were saying, Lord, I am ready for you to take over. Man, that's what it looks like to follow in his footsteps, to let him have it all, not to hold it back, not to cry out, I've got this, but instead to cry out, Lord, you take this. I'm handing it to you. Lord, may you do a mighty work. We had people by the hundreds standing up last week, simple question here and now. How are you doing it following Jesus, how are you doing at mirroring his character, at literally letting him have his way with you as you go after being humble, poor in spirit, mourning when you're hurting, being real about it, meek, strong, but gentle, hungering, and thirsting for righteousness, merciful to those who have wronged you, pure in heart along the way, peacemakers where there's been wrong, and handling persecution that God might get the glory. Are you ready to take a journey where you, tomorrow, are going to be wronged? And you're going to handle it in a way like Christ would. Are you ready to take that step. May God get all the glory. That's the first step. If we're going to receive his blessing, may we follow in his steps. Second, we can call others to him as we follow his personal guidance. We can call others to him as we follow his personal guidance. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Notice it says, you are. Everybody say, I am. Man, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are salt of the earth. It does not say, you could be salt of the earth. It doesn't say, you might be salt of the earth. It said, maybe, depending on how. It says, you are the salt of the earth. The intent of you here on this earth. Have you ever asked this question before? God, why when I trust you as Savior, do you not just immediately take me home to heaven? One part of that answer is, you are the salt 
of the earth. We have responsibility to represent with all we've got. You are the salt. And the salt, it's a preserving element, right? They've often put salt on meats and whatever else to be able to preserve it there. And uh, if you were to think of it spiritually, it's countering evil. It's taking a stand against evil. And that's our job, to be a preserving element in this world, taking a stand for Jesus Christ. But it's more than just preserving. Salt also adds flavor. Salt adds flavor in a way that makes it a little richer taste. It also makes you a little more thirsty, right? As you add it on, it even causes more thirst. May we be that in this world, preserving in this world, helping to bring flavor and adding richness and causing a thirst for a hung- and a hunger for Jesus Christ. May he get all the glory. And it's a huge deal. We are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Answer is really, it cannot. And so they have the answer right after. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He's like, let's not be the salt that has no saltiness. We're called to be the salt of the earth. Let's make sure we represent Christ with all we've got. How can I be salt? Go back to the blessed statements and read them over and over and go after it, Lord, one step at a time. When he's calling you to be salt, he's calling you to be poor in spirit, recognizing you're bankrupt inside and you need a savior. When he's calling you to be salt, he's calling you to mourn and cry out and be real about your struggles. When he's calling you to be salt, he's calling you to be meek, strong, but gentle. Be these things and you're going to be the salt of the earth. Let God begin to do a work in you. You're like, I don't have hardly any of this down. One degree at a time. And all of God's people said, may God get the glory. As we are salt in this, light, in this world. And then he says, you are the light of the world. Everybody say, I am. Not I might be the light of the world. You are. You are the light of the world. And uh, he says, a city set on a hill cannot hide, be hidden. It cannot hide. In other words, when you're up on the hillside and you turn on the lights, it's seen all over the place, right? Light gets seen, and that's the way it goes. And he's like, you're light in this world. It says, nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. He's like, I'm just telling you, don't walk around with your light covered, trying to hide it so that nobody can see who you are and what you're about. Release and open it. This is where I stand and this is the God I stand for. Man, this is my king. You are light in this world. Not to be hidden under a basket. May this light give light to all in the house. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who's in heaven. Man, we are being a light in this world when God's getting the glory. Please hear me. If you're getting the glory, you are not being a light. If you're acting in a way where you're like, do you not see how awesome I am? You are drawing attention to you, not your Savior. Man, your goal in the end as they get to know you is to go, who is this God you know? What is going on in your life? Let me introduce you to my King. That's being a light. May they be stunned 
with the difference between you and the world. And I'm telling you, these blessed statements get it done. May we go after a humility in the midst of our behavior in this world. May our good works, it says here, may the things we do as we exercise out with gentleness and forgiveness along the way, making much of our God give glory to the Father. May we be salt and light in this world. It's a huge calling. And, uh, you know, last week I gave you a little bit of an update on some of what's going on with uh, all the brain surgeries and the radiation with me and stuff. And, you know, just a, a little throwback story. But back when we first had this diagnosed and I had to go for the first surgery back in 2013 for this uh, brain tumor, I had to go up to Mayo. Mayo diagnosed it and we went up there to have them manage it. It was just so critical. And, and so we were up there at Mayo having this done and got done with the surgery afterwards. I'll be honest, they check you out pretty fast up there. And uh, they're like, okay, you're good to go. And I'm like, I can't stand up. And they're like, that's okay. We'll wheel you to the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't know, man. It just feels really unstable. And I still have like blood coming out from the surgery stuff. And like, I'm just saying, I felt a little unprepared, you know? And so my wife and a friend that was with us, we kind of got over to the hotel. It just felt kind of weird to have had brain surgery and within a day and whatever, you're in a hotel. So we got goobers. You know what those are? Those chocolate-covered peanuts? Because I love goobers. Like, why not have a reward, right? I just got brain surgery. I should get goobers. <laughs> so I started eating some goobers as we watched a movie. And uh, as we're watching the movie and ordering a meal to come afterwards, I'm like, these are the worst goobers ever. They're horrible. It was just terribly deflating. It was disappointing. And afterwards, we sat down to the meal, and I start eating the meal, and it's like so bland. So I take the salt, and I put it on, and I'm eating it, and I'm telling you, so bland. It was horrible. So I put more salt on, and I'm trying to eat it. Nothing. So I put more salt on. Finally, Jonna goes, you need to stop with the salt. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm telling you, this salt is terrible. It doesn't taste at all. And she reaches over and takes a bite. And she's like, oh, my word, that is so salty. I'm like, I don't taste anything. So we ended up calling Dr. Klaffenstein, who was like, yeah, that can happen after the surgery that you had. You're going up through the nose. It can actually affect the olfactory, and you don't have taste. And so I was out of taste for a couple of months, actually. I had no taste whatsoever. It came roaring back in. And then the second surgery, the same thing. The third surgery, not so much. Like right now, it's been 18 months and I'm still kind of going with just a smidge of something that I can taste here and there. Most of life is kind of bland. So I've gotten into eating spicier things now. I can at least feel the heat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the bottom line is just kind of missing some things along the way. I'm just telling you this. Salt, without the saltiness, still leaves it bland, right? But on the other side of it, it isn't just about the salt being salty, there also has to be an ability to receive that salty flavor. And both of those together work a miracle where God calls someone to himself. And so your job is not to manage the other side. Your job is just to say, Lord, I'm ready to follow you. May I be salty in this world. Lord, may I walk the way you walk. May I look the way you look. May I mirror who you are. That's your only job. Lord God, one degree of t at a time, just change who I am, and may I be more like you. May that be the message into this world. 
And then God starts working in the soul on the other side to be able to receive the saltiness or maybe not at that time. And that's his work. And a heart coming across to him is God invested in. And all of God's people said, and so our only job is to follow faithfully. May God get all the glory. How are you doing at being salt and light in this world? How are you doing at being faithful to the blessed are those who things? May God get all the glory, right? It's an awesome step towards bringing hope into this world. May we live Jesus Christ in this world. Number three, we can be called great in the kingdom of heaven. We can be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that? There are rewards in eternity. And there can be reward related to following him. And some of the blessing that we can receive can be eternally bound. And so, Lord, may I go after following you. Lord, may I go after echoing you into this world and calling others to you. And, Lord, whatever you see fit reward-wise, but I'm putting it in your hands. Lord, I'm following you with all I've got. We can be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Why is he saying this? Jesus sits down and he's talking about the kingdom and he's like, all right, here's a few thoughts. Blessed are those who. And he starts going through some words that they haven't quite frankly heard before. And he's like, I'm not getting rid of the law. Just hang on. I'm not getting rid of the law, but what I'm saying matters too. It, it does. And so he ends up making some clarity about how Old Testament now applies to Jesus Christ, and I just thought it'd be really helpful for us to talk a little bit about it here today, all right? It says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Not to abolish, but to fulfill. Not to abolish, but to fulfill. Not to what? Not to abolish, but to, but to fulfill. And the reality is Jesus is like, here's what I didn't do. I didn't come to go, forget the law. Who cares what it says? No, instead he came to fulfill that very law. Whatever those commands were, he's stepping in to fulfill it with all he's got. His job as Messiah coming in is to completely fulfill the Old Testament law and prophets in total. It says here, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is accomplished. Please note the two different untils there. Until heaven and earth pass away, until all of it is accomplished. Two very different things. Until heaven and earth pass away. Like that statement is like, at the end of time here, when the new heaven and new earth come, that's when the whole of the Old Testament is complete, until heaven and earth pass away. So it is covering the whole of this world. But there's something else it says, until all is accomplished. Man, we need to grasp that Jesus Christ came into this world to accomplish the law and the prophets, to fulfill the law and the prophets step by step. So here we go, ready? A little bit of theological moment. The Old Testament, man, it is a roadmap of Jesus as Messiah. The Old Testament is a map, like going from Chicago to St. Louis, a map. 
And it is taking you from creation to conclusion of this heaven and earth. It is Jesus Christ as Messiah over it all. And the miracle of that and how he's going to fulfill in it. It is actually a shadow of the substance of Christ to come. That's a Colossian statement. It's a huge deal that we grasp this. So let's say it this way. My wife went on a trip this past week with a couple of girls here, a couple of ladies here, uh, Annie and Darla, and they went down to uh, Alabama for some training in biblical counseling. And while they were down there, they went out to a restaurant, and they went for a walk to this restaurant. And as they were walking, John was using the GPS. And on the GPS, it shows blue dots that you have to walk on, right? And as you walk along, the blue dot, once you've hit it, turns gray, right? And you're like, okay, so you've now achieved that. Keep going. And then you keep walking, and then the next blue dot turns gray. And then the next blue dot turns gray. And along the journey, you're seeing gray dots behind you, blue dots before you. Jesus is saying, here's the deal, man. Don't take the map and just throw it out. Hold on to it. But check carefully for the gray dots and the blue dots. A lot of it's already fulfilled. We've made that part of the journey. Hang on. Christ is giving us a tip on how to understand himself. Hear me, man. Jesus Christ is God Almighty, God entering into this world, God with us. And the beginnings of incarnation being fulfilled as Jesus is there, blue dot turns gray. As Jesus was talking, he was about ready to go to the cross. And as he died on the cross, was buried and then rose again, blue dots turn gray. And there is fulfillment in it. What's the fulfillment going on there? Well, the Old Testament is talking about all the sacrifice. There's these lambs and these doves and this this blood covering of your sin. And what's going on with that? And now Jesus goes to the cross and dies. And it's behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has now become the once for all Lamb. His blood covering our sin. Everybody say fulfilled. Don't miss it, man. Blue dot turned gray. All of that which had to do with sacrifice now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Praise God. And then it was talking about that the Holy Spirit would come down. Jesus would be sending the Holy Spirit. And there would be the beginnings of the church and all of these nations being blessed. And that didn't happen until 50 days after Christ and the cross. But then the Holy Spirit came and the church began. Everybody say blue dot turned gray. Right? It's really good that we get grasp that much of the Old Testament is being fulfilled right at the time of Christ and blue dots are turning to gray dots. And now we're in the church domain and you have all of these people being saved and you have the broader nations being brought in and there is a promise in the Old Testament that says all the nations will be blessed and until a representative of every tribe, tongue, and nation has come in, We are not done yet with the promise of the Old Testament. And Jesus is at work. And I'm telling you, there is going to be a complete pulling in. Every nation represented. Still blue dot. And then it says that Jesus is going to return as king. And he's going to put everything right. Still blue dot. And it says he's going to sit on the throne and reign for a thousand years. And then eternity beyond. Still blue dot. And it says a new heaven and new earth are going to come down, still blue dot. There are Old Testament promises that are not yet resolved. And there are a ton of promises in law that are blue dots that have turned gray. And all of God's people said, 
know this man. Every time you read the Old Testament, you are looking at a map of the Messiah and the unleashing of God into this world as the very answer to our hope. He is our king. Please hear me, man. The Jews, as they look at the Messiah, they went, it looks like there's two Messiahs. It looks like there's Messiah who's king, and it looks like there's Messiah who's dying. And we don't understand how those two can work together, so we'll give them different names. Meshuach ben David, Messiah, son of David. Like, this guy's going to be king, and he's going to reign forever. And then there's this other guy, Meshuach ben Yosef. And, and he's going to suffer, and he's going to die, and we don't quite understand how that's going to work. But somewhere in there, there's going to be that Messiah. Here's what they missed. There's not two Messiahs. There's one Messiah come twice. And all of God's people said, man, may we worship Jesus Christ who came first as suffering servant. He fulfilled the law that we might look to him and celebrate. And he will be coming again to fulfill all of the prophecy of Jesus Christ, Messiah King. Don't throw the law and the prophets out. Know this, it's a GPS map and some of it's gray dots and some of it's blue dots. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, well, that's all great, Tim. Do you got any verses to prove that? And uh, those are always good questions to ask, right? Colossians 2, 17. Colossians 2, 17. He's talking about Old Testament law and feasts and stuff. And he says, these are a shadow of things to come, but Christ is the substance. Make sure your worship is in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Man, I'm telling you, Christ is the fulfillment and he's turning blue dots to gray as he continues through. And we have a king who is coming again. In fact, next week we're going to be looking at that in Zechariah. The hope of a coming Messiah who is going to put everything right. Please, let me just ask you this. Do you notice that this world is broken? Do you notice that? So do the Old Testament. Do you notice that no matter how hard we try, it seems to still be broken? Do you notice that? Man, please hear me. The hope we have is not in us trying to do some kind of world peace movement. Right? The hope is us coming to our King and Jesus Christ bringing the world peace as it all sits rightly under Him and those who have trusted Him move into His kingdom for all of eternity. It is about belief in Jesus Christ and His eternal kingdom as He changes our souls one degree at a time. That's hope. So as you wake up and you realize, man, I'm not perfect. I'm not even close. Praise God, you have a God that loves mercy. Praise God, you have a God that loves to instill righteousness that isn't ours. That it's his blood covering us hope. In Jesus Christ, he is hope for all eternity. May we live for him. That's blessing. May God get all the glory. Next statement here. He says, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will, call the, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever relaxes it, in fact, in the Greek, this word is uh, luo, luso. 
And, and this word literally means to loose or to unbind. It means if you don't hold accountable to the Old Testament stuff, please hear me. Either you are held accountable to doing the law or Christ has come to fulfill that part of it and now you're accountable to worshiping the God who has fulfilled that law. Christ is never saying, forget the sacrifice. Christ is saying, I'm that sacrifice. Come to me. Believe in me. We're not throwing that away. We are fulfilling it completely. I am the unblemished lamb called down and sacrificed out that you might be covered. Don't ever throw away. Look for the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Look for the fulfillment in your God. May he get all the glory. Biggest reason why we don't want to just study the Old Testament. And all of God's people said, man, as we grasp what he's doing in this broader world, may we see him as the fulfillment. It says, note this, if you do relax it, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Please note, in the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say, still saved. He's like, if you miss a little of what I'm doing, it can actually crimp some of the reward, but it isn't taking away the salvation. Belief in me brings salvation. And, uh, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever grasps that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment or where it hasn't been done or fulfilled in some way that you're then following through on the hope or the promise. Lord God, we are looking for you to return. We are longing for you to be king. We cannot wait for you to rule. Man, as we put our hope in those Old Testament promises and the New Testament statement of prophecy fulfilled, we long to see you do this, God. May he get all the glory. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. It brings reward. It says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. Can you imagine being in an era where the ones who were honored were the ones who were wealthy? The ones who were lifted up were the ones who walked around with their prayer phylacteries and their long robes and they made much of themselves. The Pharisees and the scribes. The ones who clearly must be saved because they're so blessed, those are the ones clearly in, what about the rest of us? And this whole message became, that's not saved. When Jesus talked to the Pharisees and he said, oh, you whitewashed tombs. Have you ever thought that through? Like death on the inside, but on the outside, polished and white and clean. That's not what we're called to do. Don't just try to pretty up the outside while inside is a train wreck. Hand it to your God. Watch him begin to move one step at a time and massive blessing can take place as your God begins to do change in your life. Man, if you wake up and you realize, I've hurt someone. I've got sin in my life. I've been wrong here. Praise God for that recognition. It's time to get on our knees. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And all of God's people said, our hope is coming to the king who's got it in hand, not in trying to have it in hand ourselves. His message to these guys, stop following the scribes and Pharisees. They're trying to make it about themselves. Follow after it's all about God Almighty. 
may we truly put our lives in his hands. That's how to taste a blessing. Let's pray.